Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson for today tells us of an event that happened in the time of the wanderings in the wilderness. One of the maybe more unusual events, although there were plenty of those. Here was where the Israelites were grumbling about God. That's not the unusual part. But then God punishes them by sending forth these fiery serpents upon whom, if they were bit, they would die. The people cry out in repentance to the Lord, pray to him. The Lord provides this means of escape by gazing upon this bronze serpent crafted by Moses. When we come across an event like this, there's a temptation to want to misapply it. After all, we might say, this sounds very familiar. We live in a society that very much, by and large, has disdained God, not only in our nation or the Western nations, but truly throughout the world, save maybe Africa, where God's word is exploding. That many have rebuked God's name, ignored him, don't think he can do anything. Indeed, we live in a state that considers the churches non-essential. And so we might be tempted to think maybe this plague, this COVID-19 is sent from God to punish us. We should watch out, though, because as we read Scripture, Martin Luther himself tells us a very important truth, that, yes, all the Scriptures are God's Word. All the Scriptures are true, from Genesis to Revelation. The question, though, we always have to ask is not, is it God's Word? For it is. But is it God's Word for me? Are the events that that happened are the punishments are the promises only for a certain person or groups of people or are they universal for all people if indeed this lesson were directly to be applied today we could easily get rid of the covid-19 virus we would simply follow the the path which the israelites did to repent to pray and expect that god would provide some almost mystical or sacramental, in fact, means by which we would escape it, something we could gaze upon and be healed. And while indeed we should and are praying for God to take the plague from us, we cannot, though, expect that he will take it quickly. He could, but he may also allow us to endure it for months or even years or longer. What, though, can we take from this lesson today? Well, first of all, our Lord himself tells us in the gospel lessons how we are to view disasters that come upon the world. And you've heard me share this with you before. It's when Jesus was asked about the Tower of Siloam, which fell on certain individuals. Disciples asked, were they worse sinners than others that God allowed that temple to fall on them? Jesus replied, no, indeed, they were not worse sinners than anyone else. And indeed, the priests who were slaughtered in the temple as they were giving the sacrifice by the soldiers, neither were they any worse sinners. But he says, you too repent, lest the same thing happen to you. What Jesus means by that is anytime we encounter that which brings death to the forefront, whether it be a plague or a man-made disaster or even a car crash or something immediate in our lives, it is a calling from God to repent and a recognition that we are sinners who may face the judgment at any moment. 
And so, like the Israelites, we do and are called to repentance, to cry out to God how we are sinners who have failed him in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. But there's more to these events than simply a call to repentance. For here, we see two things about this event. One, we see the sacramental nature of the bronze serpent, and we also see a prophetic nature of the bronze serpent. We see a picture of how God desires to work in this world. And how? Though, of course, God could act instantly, directly from God in heaven to us, he has always chosen to work through that wonderful creation he has made. He cherishes his creation so much that he works through it, using the gifts of this world and the people who are in it to bring about his purpose. And so when the Israelites were suffering from this plague of fiery serpents, the Lord gave them a sacrament. For what else would we call something where the Lord uses his creation, something specific in his creation, to bring about his mercy. There are, things, there are ways in which it's similar to our sacraments, and there's an important distinction that it is different. That difference is that unlike the sacraments we have today of baptism and the Lord's Supper, this was a specific sacrament for a certain people and only for a very certain and very short period of time. Why do I call it a sacrament? Because as we consider, we ask the question, how could the serpent do such great things? How could gazing upon this crafted image, something which almost seems as if it should be against the second commandment, bring about healing? The answer is simple. It was not just the serpent, but it was God's word connected to the serpent. God put a promise on that serpent and said, all who gaze upon it. And so it was by faith that the people received the healing the faith which God himself gave them through his word. When the people looked and saw, they looked and saw from whom, from whence comes their help. God bringing healing through this bronze serpent. I should point out, it is clearly though meant to, not meant to be any type of idol. We're told that a couple hundred years later, during the reign of King Hezekiah, as he came to the throne, he got rid of a lot of false practices that the Israelites had engaged in. And one of them that specifically mentioned in 1 Kings 18 is that this very bronze serpent was being used as an idol. People were burning incense to it and praying to it. So Hezekiah did what was necessary. He utterly destroyed this piece of work so that that temptation would no longer be there. It was not being used for its proper purpose. The second part of why this event is important is it is of a prophetic nature. Jesus, as he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3, talked about how as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When we are plagued by the sins of this world, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot get ourselves out of the predicament. God himself must intervene and that intervention comes as the Son of Man was lifted up on the cross, as he sacrificed himself for the sins of the world. And how are we healed from the spiritual disease of sin, which leads to the physical and eternal death? It's quite simple. We gaze upon the one who has saved us. We look to Jesus, and he is as the one who is our Savior. There is no other way than by the word of God. 
When we in faith look to our Lord, we receive the gifts which he has given to us, where he showers upon us by the work of the Spirit. And so we look at these events of Moses and the Israelites, and we see a foreshadowing of what is to come, of the greater one who is lifted up for our salvation, the one who is placed upon the cross, the one who gives life and eternity. We also get a better understanding of the gifts which we call the sacraments. Unlike the sacrament of the bronze serpent, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper are not for a certain period of time, and they're not even for a certain group of people. For baptism, we're told, is to go, we are to take into all the nations. Go ye into all the nations, baptizing and teaching. The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's Supper, truthfully, is a little bit more exclusive. For our Lord says, all every time you gather together, meaning as God's people, who are baptized into his name, come together, we celebrate, we receive that gift. A gift which isn't simply the word, which indeed would be far sufficient and more than enough. But our Lord in his generosity has given us the gifts which affect our entire body. We who are physical beings receive his gift of life, not simply by hearing, but by seeing, by smelling, by tasting, and by feeling. All our senses are engaged because all of who we are is saved by the Lord. How do these great things happen? How is it that water and bread and wine save and bring forgiveness of sins? Indeed, it's not the water and the bread and the wine in and of itself. But it's the word of God in and with the elements which bring about our Lord's purpose. As he speaks, so it is. And so the water is a saving water, a cleansing water. And so it is that bread and wine become body and blood, the body and blood of our Lord, that which he shed on the tree by which we have our eternity. Let us rejoice in the gifts our Lord has given us and eagerly Look forward to the time when we will gather together to receive the gifts anew, to partake of the life which he has bestowed upon us, to feast together and rejoice together as the body in Christ that we are. Amen. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.